Hey folks, welcome to the very first episode of Sam Says. Since this is the first episode, I would like to start out with kind of a thesis for the pod. So I want to give you a little bit of background as to why I'm creating this podcast so that you know a little bit more about why you might be listening to it. My name is Sam. I'm a teacher by day, a learner by night. I am curious about the world, and as I get older, I realize how much I actually don't know about it. I don't know about random things that are not that important, and I also don't know about important things that are important. Instead of listening to another Rogan episode, which I love him dearly, but I've listened to so many, I decided to challenge myself to learn more on my own and present it to others. The point of this pod is to learn more about random things I don't know. It's a broad endeavor because I know that it can lead many different directions, and that's kind of exciting. I've watched so many elders and adults older than me give up on their brain. It's like they get to a point where they become tired of having to work through learning new things. Learning a new thing is hard, don't get me wrong, but um, most often it challenges the existing things you know, and I don't think people are really ready for that. I don't want to end up like that. I want to continue to challenge my brain and learn new things. As a self-proclaimed know-it-all, I have much to learn. So I'm setting out to learn all that the internet, documentaries, books, and any other resource I can come across have to offer. This will be very interesting and probably a little dark. A PSA for my listeners, I am not by any means an expert on anything I talk about on this podcast. I'm just a curious person who's excited to learn. If my facts seem off, I welcome correction. This means you listened. Assume best intention and, of course, consume all media with a critical spoon. and welcome to the very first podcast episode of Sam Says. I guess it's not anything besides a podcast episode, right? I guess I could have just said episode, but whatever. Um, So I made this podcast because I love talking about controversial topics. I think it's kind of like the red button thing where you're not supposed to touch it, so you want to even more. Anyways, um, the first couple of segments of the podcast are a little bit more informal since I'm trying to set things up. This is my pilot episode. You know that nobody that, uh, not requests, but nobody that suggests a new TV show to you is ever like, episode one, season one is the best. No, it develops over time. Don't worry, I'm literally on Amazon right now looking at microphones for podcasting because I already am getting annoyed by the scratchiness of my voice, but we persist. She persists. Um, So today I have a very interesting topic to discuss. I've done some research and I'm sure that this idea is probably not going to leave my head right away. So I'll probably end up doing more research after this podcast, which is completely fine. Um, But this definitely sparked my interest and I hope it sparks yours. Um, Today we're going to talk about 
kind of the history of cannibalism. Um, you're probably thinking, okay, never mind, this is not the podcast for me. But I challenge you to continue listening because I think you're actually going to be pretty surprised with the information that you learn and the stance that I take, I guess. Um, so I am going to go ahead and jump into the segments. I really hope that you give this a listen. I think that just like myself, you might be a little bit hesitant because of the content, but um, it's a lot less, um, what's the word, grotesque than you think. The grossest part about it is just going to be me. So if you, if you think you can handle that, then I think you'll be totally fine. I hope you give it a listen. Okay, I can actually relax now. I've got some wine. I've got my computer in front of me. I've got my glasses on so I can see all of the notes that I've taken to share with you today. I have recorded um, I've recorded the thesis for the pod. I've recorded the PSA so that I don't get canceled. Who am I kidding? I'm not, I'm not important enough to get canceled. Um, and then I've recorded the intro just to kind of give you a little nibble on what is to come today. So now I can kind of relax and kick back and just talk to you about cannibalism, all things cannibalism. So when I first decided that I wanted to do this for the <laughs> first episode of my podcast, um, I knew that I needed to make it very factually based and that I needed to have an interesting take on it because, I mean, I feel like just personally, all the things that I've ever heard about cannibalism before my research on this was just basically about like um, serial killers that were cannibals. And uh, this podcast is actually going to have not really much to do with serial killers whatsoever. Um, I've found so many other interesting pieces of information that are completely outside of the serial killer realm that I'm honestly not going to touch it. I'm going to talk a little bit about why I didn't include it at the end. But other than that, I'm just going to get started with all of the different other categories of cannibalism, I guess you could say. Um, And then we'll talk more about serial killers at the end, but I'm really not going to delve much into serial killers that were, that practice cannibalism because we, I feel like as a public, we already kind of know about that. Serial killers are very, um, almost idolized nowadays. And so y'all can do your own serial killer research on your own, or we can save that for another episode. But today we're just going to focus on cannibalism that is not including serial killers. And you'd think, well, most cannibals that I've heard of are were serial killers. That's, I mean, that was the case for me when I was first doing the research, but there's so many different sections of cannibalism. It's crazy. So the very first section that I want to talk to you about is um, just basically the, a short history of cannibalism. And this is like a sprinkle, like real short So, um, just to kind of give you an idea, cannibalism is obviously, um, eating human flesh by humans. So it's when uh, people eat other people, right? And come to find out actually animals can be cannibals as well because they can eat their own kind. 
So that's that. And then um, the term cannibalism specifically is derived from the Spanish name. Oh, I'm going to try to pronounce this. Caribalis? I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's Spanish. So yeah, I'm, I took a couple of years of French in high school and I can't remember hardly anything. So good luck on that one. Um, so it's Caribalis was the original name and then it eventually evolved to Cannibalis, I think, for the Carib, which is a West Indies tribe. Um, and they were known like way, way back when for practicing cannibalism. So um, kind of seems to me based on my research, like white people, you know, European people took that word and then kind of demonized it and, and made people freaked out about it because... I mean, anytime you say cannibalism, people, you know, the general mood of the room kind of takes a turn, if you know what I mean. So I'm not really going to go much more into the history of cannibalism just because there's so many other interesting uh, sectors of this topic that I want to talk about. So there's your very, very basic rudimentary understanding of cannibalism. Um, And then in the next section, I'm going to hop over to our next peace, I guess, which is medicinal cannibalism. So keep listening. Okay, so our very first section outside of the history portion, just basically like defining the word, is going to be medicinal cannibalism. This is so interesting and so crazy. Okay, so in the 15th century in Europe, don't ask me what date that is. Um, You can look it up, and so can I. (laughs) Apparently, it's during the Columbus time, if that helps um, kind of narrow it down for you. Um, Also, Columbus is canceled, so, you know, just remember that too. Um, So people would take ground-up human remains and drink it, or they would use it as ointment to heal people with a variety of ailments. Okay, so basically they would use it like as medicine pretty much, Um, which honestly I feel like if I was living in the 15th century and I didn't know about like modern medicine obviously, didn't have any access to any time machines or anything like that, I mean that kind of makes sense to like a very like, you know, simple unevolved person. I hate to say it like that because that sounds kind of rude, but you know, just like a person that has not been exposed to all of the different woes of modern medicine that we have. Um, I would kind of connect with the dots on that one. Like, okay, yeah, it came from a person and it's going to help heal me. Like, you know, we take different parts of deceased people even nowadays and use them as parts of living people. Like, you can get like um, blood from another person or a kidney or a, a liver, you know, they do all that kind of stuff with organ donors. So this totally tracks for me. Um, anyways, this substance was called mummia. Um, it does sound like the word mummy because it's kind of around those times they would use mummified corpses basically um, and grind up their remains and then you know use it for medicinal purposes um 
another thing that I found was um, that sometimes they would take liquid or powdered blood. Um, I don't know if this was way back then or if this was a little bit further along in time, but they would they would take liquid or powdered blood and use it as a treatment for epilepsy. Now that I'm saying this out loud, I might need to do some more research on that one because I don't know who I'm talking about when I say they, but anyways, someone at some point um, tried to use powdered blood to treat epilepsy. So that's kind of interesting, kind of along the same lines as, you know, just using parts of the body to help um, treat ailments, I guess. Next bullet point I have is um, in China, around 2000 years ago, this is um, during the Tang Dynasty, if you're a history buff you this might sound familiar to you I don't know I don't know who you are um anyways there's a type of cannibalism that's I guess technically a part of the medicinal cannibalism um family which is which is funny that I say that because it's called filial cannibalism and I think filial has something to do with the word family Anyways, so sons or daughters um, of a person that was going through a really, really hard illness would offer a limb or a chunk, apparently, of their inner uh, thigh flesh, and they would give it to their parent and basically, like, you know, make an offering to their parent, like, hey, I know you're really sick, um, and we're in China, and it's 2,000 years ago, so... Um, this is going to help you recover from your illness. You're welcome. You know, I personally would, eh, would I do that? I don't know. I guess like maybe if, you know, something came out and it was like hella verified, there were like thousands and thousands of studies that were like, yes, definitely give a chunk of your inner thigh to your mom to help cure her breast cancer. I honestly, like if it was between that or my mom dying, I probably would be down for it. I can, I can stand to lose some inner thigh. <laughs> I don't know about you, but yeah, I mean, I've never really cared much about a thigh gap, but if it was, if it was a way to save my mom's life, then you might be able to convince me. So I don't know, but see, that doesn't seem that crazy to me. Um, it's for family. So, um, I went kind of into a rabbit hole about filial, if that's how you say it, filial cannabis. Chinese filial cannibalism, and uh, I found this research article by this guy, Keith Knapp, and um, the article is called Chinese Filial Cannibalism, if you want to look it up, and uh, basically this guy, Knapp, claimed that um, the influences of Buddhism and honoring self-sacrifice to help others may have inspired the medicinal cannibalism in China. So, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense, right? Like, if your religion is telling you that it's very honorable to, you know, put others before yourself, especially your family, because I feel like, I mean, almost every culture, family is kind of one of those cornerstone pieces. Um, so yeah, that totally that totally makes sense to me. So first off, medicinal medicinal cannibalism with the facts that they had, which were not many, you know, at the time, that makes sense. You take something that you already are and use it to help you become healthy, you know, like you take healthiness from the person that's healthy and put it on yourself, I guess. I don't know. I honestly don't know how they um if they like ate the person's inner thigh or what, I don't know. We'll, we'll look more into that as well. 
you guys can do research on that. If you really want to give up your inner thigh to help your mom's breast cancer, then that's that's kind of on you. The next section we are going to talk about is cultural cannibalism. So hop on over to that next segment now. y'all the next segment that i want to focus on is cultural cannibalism so cultural cannibalism is basically like you know different cultures around the world that practiced cannibalism as kind of like a ritual for you know different reasons um, within their cultures um, so one interesting group that I found was the Foray people um, of New Guinea, and this kind of seems to be one of the more popular like accounts of cultural cannibalism that I could find. There's several different sources kind of talking more or less about the same thing in terms of the people of New Guinea, and I think there were some other islands that kind of did similar stuff. But basically, what this culture of people would do is um, they would eat the remains of their deceased relatives with the permission of the passing person. So Wanda, I don't know why I thought of Wanda as the first name, but whatever. Wanda um, like has basically knowledge that she's going to pass away soon. She's really, really sick, and she's kind of like made peace with the fact that she gonna go, sorry, Pepper is, you know, you know. If you know me, you know I have a dog. Her name's Pepper, and she's probably going to be barking at least one time every episode. That's, you know, we just got to ignore that and get over it. I'm talking to myself right now, by the way. Um, So anyways, Wanda is like, I'm about to die. I'm passing on. But I do want, like, my family members, my relatives to celebrate me and, you know, cherish my body, I guess. Like, as long as it's on the earth. So I'm going to give them the heads up. It's cool if you eat me. I'm down for it. Like, I gave you permission. If you need me, like, sign a waiver or whatever, that's fine. Um, but definitely eat my remains, and that's fine. They, I think I did read on one of the articles or one of the videos that I watched that they would pretty much do it um, to other people that didn't give them permission, but I think for the most part they got permission from the passing people to consume their... Um, remains after they had passed away and uh, usually it kind of seemed like it was a thing that just relatives did it wasn't just like a random you know store clerk that saw Wanda that was like okay you know I'll get in on this too since I bagged her groceries no it was both it was mostly the the relatives of the person that died so I mean shoot I don't know about you but I feel like if I was asked by a beloved relative to eat them like I I mean they're not there to like call you out if you don't but I feel like I would feel kind of awkward if I was the only one that wasn't eating them it's kind of like being at a funeral and like not crying you're like I should be sad right now but I just you know you can't force yourself to be sad if you don't feel sad that might that might be dark I don't know but anyways there's probably been some instance in your life where you felt like you were kind of the odd person out like I guess I should probably just suck it up and eat this person so that I don't nobody looks at me weird like I'm the only one that's not doing it you know what I mean I'm gonna take a sip of wine because I think I'm I'm I think I'm unraveling here so 
all this is to say that it sounds kind of crazy. I'm definitely not condoning or, I mean, I guess I am condoning. I'm saying like, if you don't feel comfortable eating your deceased relative's remains that they give you permission to eat, then definitely don't. I'm pretty sure it's illegal in the States. I I don't know. I don't know what the laws are on that, but I'm going to assume that it's illegal. But I also would say like, don't judge other people for doing it because if you got permission and it's not hurting the person at all, then how is that any different than us, you know, salvaging a heart from someone to help somebody else survive? You know, if it's giving those living relatives joy to consume their dead loved one, I mean, they're not hurting anyone. I feel like the only issue is actually, I take that back. They are hurting someone. They're hurting, come to find out themselves. Um, so unfortunately, most of the people who participated in this ritual of eating the, their deceased relatives remains, um, contracted a deadly disease called Kuru. That's K-U-R-U. And I think that was particularly when they consumed the brains of the person. So like if humans eat human brains, it's highly likely that you'll contract this disease this disease, these these this disease called kuru and it's you know you're basically dead if you get that so so people shouldn't be eating brains but i don't know if it's just specific to the brains like if you can eat other parts of a human body and be fine i don't know i'm not really sure about that but you can contract this kuru disease and most of the people that you know did this ritual and contracted this you know they died so Anyways, next next up we're going to talk about survival cannibalism. This is interesting, so stay tuned. Okay, we are hopping on to the next episode. No, not the next episode, just the next section of this episode. We're still talking about people eating people. Don't get excited. We're not moving on yet. Okay, so survival cannibalism is basically when a person or a group of people have to, like, they're, it's a last resort. They're not doing this because they want to. It's those odd cases where people get, like, stranded somewhere or they're, like, lost at sea and they are without food for a super long, like, an extended amount of time. And they're basically, you know, last shot at survival is to eat a person that's passed away in the process of trying to survive with them. Or I think there probably has been some cases where they just start killing each other because they're freaking hungry. Um, I mean, I don't know how hungry the hungriest you've ever been is, but it doesn't really seem that far off for me. I don't know. We'll see. So I'm going to take a sip and then we can get into this. So, my notes tell me that yes, just as I said, yes indeed, I am correct. Survival cannibalism is definitely a last resort. I mean, if there's a person that's jumping to that conclusion, like, ten minutes into, uh, you know, being stranded somewhere, like, that's a little bit upsetting. That person, you know, that person was not going to make it much further in regular life. Um, but anyways, 
last resort cases where people are stranded at sea um maybe they survived a plane crash but they're like on like a remote island uh what's that show uh why can't i think of it not heroes anyways the show that's gonna come to my mind in a second that where they um you know there's like survived the plane crash and they have to try to make it i think there actually might be cannibals on that show i'll have to look that up anyways um sometimes it happened like way back when um people were explorers like they were discovering new lands and you know proceeding to you know genocides and all that stuff whatever um that's probably going to be another episode. I'm not trying to gloss over it. Genocides are real and they're very sad. Um, but basically, like, you know, if, if there were people that were exploring a new land, quote unquote, new land to them, um, they might get stranded, like, where there's no food available and then they would have to resort to, like, eating each other because they were trying to make it to California for gold or something. I don't know. Anyways, um... So there's a specific group of people that I kind of want to zoom in on um, that got lost at sea on a lifeboat. So lifeboat tells me, I didn't read the whole article, but this tells me that um, I think that's like the smaller boat that's on the real boat. And so like they must have, maybe the boat sank or crashed Titanic style or something like that. But anyways, they're on a lifeboat. These people waited 116 days before consuming the first delicious bite of human flesh. (laughs) What? That is a great person. Those are good people. Those people, like, do you know how many conversations they probably had to have, like, with themselves, with each other? Like, don't do it. Like, don't do it. I know you're hungry. I know you're having weird, like, trip outs about Hot Pockets and, like, you're in kind of a daze because you haven't eaten in so long, but it's only day 84 and you know that you're going to be in the freaking newspaper about this and you don't want to look like the person that ate somebody after day 84 because that would just be crazy. So keep hanging on. I was blown away by this, like, blown away. 116 days with no food. I'm assuming they had water, you know, because, they, yeah, they would obviously be dead if they didn't have water. They had water, but they had no food of any kind. I did not know that you could last that long. I really didn't. Um, but just a quick kind of sadistic comment on that whole thing. I really don't think I would be able to last that long. I honestly can't think of anyone in my life, no offense, but I can't think of anyone in my life that could last more than, I mean, I honestly don't even know how to anticipate how many days I'd be able to last, um, you know, without food. I tried intermittent fasting because I heard some of my coworkers talking about it and I was like, sick. I definitely always could stand to eat less. And this is something that people are talking about lately. It's kind of hot in the media, in the um, gym influencer fit lady world. Um, So I was like, okay, cool, I'll try IMF. I think that's what they call it, right? IMF, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do like not eating when I get up. And then at 12, at noon, 
in the afternoon I can eat my first meal and that like that's that's not really that much further after when I wake up so I was like I think I can do this I got to nine o'clock and I almost had a meltdown I was the biggest bitch in the world and I I couldn't do it so if that gives you a little insight on how much I value food I'm very food motivated um, I'm just like a kid really I mean food is my language my love language um, but all this is to say that 116 days is completely asinine and honestly I feel like those people should have just let themselves die like I would have just freaking jumped and drowned myself because that just sounds like the worst experience of anyone's life and those people are good like good job for waiting that long I can't believe you did it yeah you did end up eating some humans which isn't probably the best moment of your life not the brightest day of of the episode of your life you know but but damn I feel like those people should be proud of themselves 116 days anyways next segment is going to be all about cannibalism in the animal kingdom this shit is cool well, it's not cool, but it's, it's just interesting. It's, it's cool to know that we're not alone in eating our own kind. <laughs> Keep listening. And we are back with Animal Kingdom. Cannibalism. So, I've got a lot of... I've got a whole entire list here that I'm looking at of animals who eat their own kind. So basically, cannibal animals. That's cute. That should be a band name. Cannibal animals. Um, So the very first list in my list, I mean, there's like lists on lists for this shit. Hamsters eat like their babies if they're too young or not too young, but like if they don't grow fast enough, they're too small. Or if they get sick, they the hamsters, they just decide like, you know what, this guy can't really withstand the elements, so we're just going to eat him and, you know, fuel ourselves for bigger and better things. Apparently, same goes for rats, squirrels, ro- other rodents. All of these little critters will eat their young in rare cases where they just know that the, the little dude's not going to make it anyway, so I might as well capitalize on this. That's called evolution, baby. Uh, the, next, the next guy on my list is a spadefoot toad tadpole. Okay, so tadpole is like basically like a little sperm, but it's going to turn into a toad eventually. You see them if you, like, go to, like, a little watering hole or something where animals grow. Anyways, um, these little baby tadpoles, these little springs, they they chomp on their siblings. Um, so basically, like, the tadpoles live in a pond that tends to dry up pretty fast. And so, but they don't want to, like, uh, they want to get grown up into a toad before the pond dries out so that they can survive and so for survival um the bigger siblings start to eat their smaller siblings just as little tadpoles yeah you you thought those were so cute Uh, actually no they're killers they're cannibals um so you know back up when you you know see another tadpole because 
you never know but anyways so yeah spadefoot toad tadpoles that is a mouthful they eat smaller siblings so that they can basically grow up and be the leader of the pack and become like that you know that head bitch like that main toad um so there those are cannibals i mean it's kind of like a skewed version of what we think of when we think of cannibalism but they are eating their own kind so it fits the next up is thy praying mantis the praying mantai um i was talking to my boyfriend connor and he was telling me that this is like a pretty famous um animal cannibal cannibal animal um apparently i didn't know but the females eat the males during mating um so this is like a very feminist approach to cannibalism so i mean i'm for it i think it's cool i mean the the female praying mantis is way bigger than the male so it kind of makes sense like it's he's just a little snack for her um same thing goes for the black widow spiders Um, Black widows, female spiders, I believe, um, are significantly larger than their male counterparts, and they, um, they eat them as a snack after mating. Like, that age-old saying, like, make me a sandwich after humans mate, they, the male in the relationship becomes the sandwich. So, I mean, that's love. Adult fish will snack on eggs. I'm just reading this one because I'm just like so amazed by all these facts that I've compiled. I I think I was honestly in a frenzy the other night, like pulling this all together. Anyways, adult fish will snack on the eggs they just laid if they get hungry and most of their eggs will still be left to hatch. Okay, so give me one second. I talk so fast that I need to like kind of, you know, lubricate the whole situation. This is actually really smart. So fish will lay like a ton of eggs and then they, they take a look at their beautiful nest of eggs in the water and they think, okay, don't need that many fish. There's tons of fish in the sea and I'm also pretty hungry and I'm, I need to be, you know, I need to be a parent that's around. I need to be involved. So I need to make sure that I'm in the best condition health-wise to be able to raise these little guppies so i'm gonna pop a few cheese balls if you know what i mean so basically the the you know the mom fish or the dad fish or whoever like the adult fishes in this situation maybe the stepdad fish depending on you know the the family makeup i'm not here to judge but anyways the the larger fish in this situation they'll just use those little eggs as a little snack and it's, I mean, that's perfectly normal to me. I think, I think that makes sense. That's just evolution. Again, all of these animal, cannibal animals, it's just, it all boils down to evolution. Like, you know, survival of the fittest. Next up for animal cannibals is um, the sand shark. I think it's the sand tiger shark, I want to say. Um, they are known for oh he, okay i had to read that one again because it's kind of crazy okay so the when the sand shark is pregnant um the sand shark actually has eggs inside of its womb but the egglings hatch inside of the womb i'm probably saying so many wrong words to describe this i'm sure there's going to be like a zoologist or something that are like 
no, that's not, that's not at all how it works, but thankfully they probably aren't doing more important things than listening to me. Um, so the, the sand shark's eggs will hatch inside of its womb and then they actually like give birth to the, the shark, like, um, I guess like a mammal would. And, um, when the sand sharks hatch in the mother's womb, they hatch at different times. And so basically like the first one that hatches starts to eat up all of the other eggs or even eat up the little hatchlings that are smaller than it so that it can be, you know, one of the top two contenders to be actually born and to make it to the real world. Um, I guess there's like two sections of the mom's stomach and, you know, each section can house only one shark that's actually going to be born. So it's just survival of the fittest, right? Like you have to eat your brothers and sisters to make it in this world. That's what my mom always said. Okay. I'm going to take another swig and then talk to you about lions and tigers and bears. Um, Minus tigers. I didn't actually get information on the tigers. It's just lions and bears, but with with all this all the patterns that are arising in this I'm, I'm sure we can probably fairly say that tigers are in the mix too so lions and bears will kill their cubs so that the mom uh, is more open to oh, oh so the male lions or male bears will kill their cubs so that the mom is more open to mating they use the cubs as a snack <laughs> I just kept writing snack for everything. Um, So, I mean, this is kind of messed up, but it does make sense. Like, a mother... A mother bear or a mother lioness, she's going to be paying a lot of attention to those kubaroos, and she's not going to be, like, playing the field. She's not going to be on the apps. She's not going to be swiping right. But if babies are out of the picture then oh look at all this time that frees up and now she's she's gonna be able to choose who she wants to shack up and snack up with and I, I mean that's what happens so the I mean I don't know if it's like when the mom looks away then the bear the male bear or the male lion like goes in and just swoops takes the babies slices and dices them up and then like says hey will you join me for a nice evening like I've got this great snack for us to chow down on it's gonna give us the fuel that we need to do the deed um yeah if you're in let me know so those are the main cannibal animals that really drew my attention I'm sure there's many more examples that um you know anyone could come up with but I really think that the main point of the cannibal animals, (laughs) I love saying that. Anyways, cannibalism in the animal kingdom is really just evolution at its finest. Like in every single case, it's all about, you know, uh, certain types of animals surviving and really like outwitting the rest of their kind so that they can be the one to flourish and and grow bigger and stronger and you know spread their seed basically um so this one was a little bit longer because there's a lot of examples of cannibal animal i'm gonna i want to like make a little tune to that um next up we have 
cannibalism and mental health. This is kind of where I talk about why I didn't really want to include serial killers, but I am going to talk a little bit about them. So next up is cannibalism and mental health. have been amazing you stuck with me all the while long all the live long day and I was talking about cannibalism and I know that's not I mean it's I'm venturing to guess that it's not your fave topic but I'm hoping that at this point at least you learned a couple of facts and and I've broadened your cannibalism understanding so now I want to talk about cannibalism and mental health um, because I feel like the you know the I feel like the way that I knew about cannibalism before I did all this research was about serial killers that were cannibals, and any time you're talking about serial killers, you're talking about mental health. Like I feel like there's such a push in the popular culture to like steer away from the fact that all serial killers really are are just like really messed up people that have just been honestly probably terribly mistreated and misunderstood and just never got to you know the right the person that would advocate for them to get the help that they need and that's honestly kind of sad so I do feel like I mean, nobody really acts the way a serial killer would act on purpose. Like, I just can't believe that humans are really just that messed up, you know, without without some kind of impact coming from from internal or external or a combination of the two. But whatever the reason, I didn't feel the need really to include serial killers, like specific accounts of of cannibal serial killers. For basically two reasons. Um, The first is that I feel like, just like I said, there's already so many pods and honestly just media in general that's um, devoted to serial killers. And I did want to make this a little bit different. So I felt like, you know, that information is already at the ready. So I wanted to kind of pick a couple of different categories of cannibalism that I haven't personally heard enough about. And then the second reason was the more that I learned about cannibalism outside of like the serial killer arena, the more I grew to understand why humans or animals eat their kind. Like I know I joke around about it, but I mean like there wasn't ever any case that I came up with that I've shared with you today that didn't kind of have a justification, right? Like sure you would never want to do it like it doesn't make sense for you in your world but like you could kind of see how someone would get there if they were presented with the information that they had you know so I mean of course it's not the safest the safest practice because of the health risks um and the potential to catch kuru which is a new disease that now I'm going to be worried about um but I guess I just have more empathy for cannibalistic rituals and and honestly evolutionary practices than I thought. Like I'm kind of surprised with my stance that I'm coming to. So here's this is basically the Sam says part of things where I where I 
take a not so traditional stance on the whole matter. I mean, I'm honestly surprised at how my mindset has shifted on the matter. I'm not condoning eating humans. It's probably, it is illegal. And honestly, it's just ethically a messy decision. But at the very least, I do honestly feel like it helps me understand cultural practices that I once thought were like just really bad just for the sake of being bad. I mean, I think that history does a really good job of demonizing cultural practices that that just have a lack of research um, done. And I honestly just feel like all these years I've been writing it off as a practice of the other, you know, like who are these people that live on this island that eat each other like that must be bad they must be terrible people and thus their culture must be terrible and I mean that's a very simple you know Eurocentric way of looking at things anyways I'm going on a tangent but all I mean to say is that all of the practices of cannibalism that I talked to you today about I don't think they really should be demonized the way that they are in the media. And I feel like if people took a chance to actually understand where people were coming from when they committed these acts of cannibalism, I don't know, they might not be judged as bad. So I would love to hear what you think about this topic. And I would love it if you wrote me an internet message thingy, you know, wherever, wherever you can reach me. Um, if you have any thoughts about cannibalism you'd like to share, or you have any questions that you want me to look up for you, or you just want to chat about, you know, like the, (laughs) the ethics of cannibalism, um, shoot me a message and I will definitely respond. Uh, thank you for listening. part of the app, message me the word cannibal animals, all one word, and I will buy you a coffee because honestly, I am my worst critic and I don't know if anyone will listen. So this will be proof you did. A follow-up nugget for anyone that was still curious. I'm sure you already figured it out. The plane crash show I was referencing in the pod was last. Good show. Until the end. It got a little weird at the end. Uh, Thank you, thank you, thank you for hearing me out. I'm a strange beast, but you will learn or you already have learned to love me. Tune in for the next episode to learn more useless information that will make you sound smart at a dinner party that you may never go to again because coronavirus. I will finish every episode with an original poem. I sound like I'm surprised. I'm like, oh, a poem. I did write that. Okay. Roses can be white. Some lies sound like truths. Cannibalism, is it ethical? Only you can choose.